With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back to the Let's Seek Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today, I am joined by Brian Joyner and a special guest returning to the podcast after a little hiatus, Matt Corey, now of The Athletic. Uh, Matt, welcome back to the show. Brian, uh, whatever, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It is good to talk to you both again. I like our Matt replacement program. We just got to have a Matt. Yeah. Um, we have Matt Corey now. Uh, let's, let's, let's kick it, Jake. Let's kick it. So Matt, I, I think, uh, you know, for, for people who have been tuning into this show for all 73 now of these episodes, um, they've heard your voice quite a bit on this podcast before, but now you've switched affiliations here. So tell us a little about, about, uh, your new gig at the athletic. Uh, yeah, they opened up a, well, so the athletic is a subscription website and they've been, um, you know, they, they have sort of a, a local, uh, bent to it. So they started in Chicago, um, covering, you know, Chicago sports teams. Um, they have beat writers, they have analysts, um, and they've, they've sort of branched out, uh, to, I don't even know how many cities they've got to be 20. 20 cities, something like that. They're, they don't cover every single major league team, but they cover a lot of them. Um, and just the start of this month, they started covering um, Boston sports. Um, and they got in touch with me to see if I would be interested uh, in helping them cover the Red Sox. And 
I thought about it for a half a second and then <laughs> screamed yes and jumped up and down. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really lucky to be involved. It's it's a uh, you know it's a good site and they do they do good work and um, so yeah, you should go go subscribe. It's uh, theathletic.com. I think I think slash free trial gets you a free week um, and you can sort of see what you think of it based on that. Now, does the Athletic Boston have its own Twitter account? It does. It's at the Athletic BOS, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, they tweet out all the uh, all the Red Sox centric stuff. Um, Tim Britton, who used to write for the Providence Journal, is now covering the Mets for the Athletic. Um, he did a, a great retrospective on the, uh, you know, the, the marathon bombings and, and um and that kind of thing. So that was, that was on there and all the articles I've written for them. I think in the last two weeks I've written 10 or 11, I don't know. It's a lot uh, of, of articles all about different, different Red Sox stuff. Um, and, uh, the most recent one about, you know, the Red Sox catching position and, uh, you know, the, this, the lack of production they've gotten out of it, both, both really offensively and defensively. Um, so, that's uh, that's a thing, and you can go read that uh, right now at the Athletic Boston. We'll get to that, Matt. But I want to ask you, who else are you writing with over there? Who's on the Boston team, just so people can get an idea of who they can read over there? Sure. Um, Jen McCaffrey is is covering um, the Red Sox. She was at Mass Live before. Um, Chad Jennings uh, is the other beat writer. So they've got two beat writers, um, and and they've got me doing analysis. Um, that's uh, that's it for now. Uh, as far as the Red Sox go, Red Sox centric uh, writers, um, Eno Saris is doing uh, an, you know analytical analysis of all different baseball teams, and of course the Red Sox are a, a high profile team, so um, they're getting a significant amount of his attention. Um, Peter Gammons is over there. Ken Rosenthal. Um, yeah, that's uh, loaded. It's it's a, it's, a, it's a talented so, site over there. Yeah, they've got a lot of a lot of great writers um, with a lot of prominence um, that are that are doing you know MLB stuff and and so it's it's an honor to be a, a small part of that. I'm I'm lucky. Well, Matt, um, it's been some time since I've been able to plug your Twitter handle, which I notoriously uh, love. So you can follow Matt on Twitter at MattyMatty2000. You can follow Brian on Twitter at @BrianJoiner, Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I, and you can follow myself on Twitter at @DevJake. Um, I want to say that Matt joining the athletic with that cast of characters means that there are three people at the athletic Boston who have shit talked to me on Twitter. Matt, of course, <laughs> Gammons. Yes. And Rosenthal, all three of them. It's great. I love this site. It's because they're <laughs> all geniuses. That's why they shit talk to you, Brian. Anyhow, let's get to the Red Sox. Red Sox are 17-4. They are playing the Toronto Blue Jays as we speak right now. Porcello is going up against J.A. Happ. Um, but the Red Sox have hit a massive two-game losing streak here. Um, does this skid mean it's time to panic, guys? I mean, clearly. Especially if you are in the uh, in the content game, you know? Yep. Uh, so that's uh, – I mean, I know Brian's working on his uh, – you know, 101 different ways for Red Sox fans to panic article. Right, Brian? You can't see my face right now, but it is not a nice one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Ben Buchanan, the former editor, one of the former editors of this site, wrote before 
the last A's game. He's like, oh, this is as big of a game you can have when you're 17 and three. And I was, fuck <laughs> it. come on. <laughs> that is funny. Um, yeah, no, it's not. It's not remotely time to to panic. I mean, I I think it's pretty easy at this time of year to forget, you know, the context of an individual baseball game, um, you know, or the meaning behind it is is just, you know, nil. <laughs> I mean, you've got basketball and ba- basketball and hockey playoffs going on. Both of those, um, you know, each game is is you know vital life or death kind of thing. Um, you know, Especially we're, we're if all you're a Caps fan. Right, that's true. Uh, let's let's not talk about that, please. More death, <laughs> much more death. Lots of death. Um, you know, and then we're all coming off of you know football uh, playoffs, same same sort of deal, and and then baseball season shows up, um, and you know the games just, you know they just don't really mean very much. I mean, you know, being seventeen and four is fantastic. Um, I, I wrote a piece at the Athletic, I, I want to say last week. Um, when the Red Sox were 10 and two and looked at, you know, other teams that had started really hot. And I was surprised. I want to say half of them that started that well finished with a below 500 record. Um, it, 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 it is, but if you think about it, I mean, any sort of random section of games, um, you know, in a season, a team, you know, just 12 games, a, a team could really win 10 of them. I mean, it's not, not nuts. I mean, bad teams win 10 out of 12. That does happen. Um, you know, and the only difference being here, that 12 game sample, or in this case, 21 game sample is really all we have to, to work with. Um, well, here, let me just jump in here and ask you a question. How many of those teams were at all recent? My only, I, my only, my only, my only reason I ask is that I think it's fair to say that our understanding of what makes a good baseball team has changed, um, especially in the last 20, 25 years, and that there's no indication the Red Sox are actually a bad team. Oh, certainly. Um, yeah. And so and, what yeah. I'm saying is that those may have happened to teams before where there were more random fluctuations because the talent was more evenly distributed. Well, so I think I think the sample that I had, um, I was going from uh, 1901 to uh, 1918. Just just looking at teams within 2018. Uh, no, no, 1918. I'm oh, in wow. dead stuff. Only only looking. I'm, this is a joke. Um, I was looking at at recent teams, not not hundred year old teams, because who cares about that? Oh, uh, gotcha. Uh, no, I I, I think that um, you know if you go back and look at the teams that started well. And, you know, finished poorly. Um, I think famously the I think it was 87 Brewers or, or something like that, like got off to this like 17 and, and six starter or 17 and five. I forget. I don't have and in front that's of the one that the Red Sox have been compared to saying it's been 31 years since the sort of start. That's the team they're talking about. Yeah. And then I think they finished like uh, 81 and. Um, you know, 81 or, or 81 and 80, or I guess they had some, some rain outs they didn't make up. Um, so it was just kind of, uh, you know, a, a, a mediocre team getting off to a really hot start. Um, I, I think you can look at this Red Sox team and look at the expectations, look at the projections and, and, you know, I think that would be a pretty unexpected outcome. Um, you know, if that ended up happening, but at the same time, the point is that, you know, 17 and, and four doesn't mean you're going to win a hundred games. 
It, it just doesn't like we can look at it like it does, but it just doesn't historically. That's not what it's saying. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, takeaway because I think we've all been getting just super excited with having a team that's this fun, that's not losing almost at all. Uh, and it is nice to put that into a little bit of perspective and maybe ground us a little bit because um, the hype's been getting a little out of control over here, I think. Yeah. I don't know. How can the hype get out of control when you're 17 and 4 or 17 and 2? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm I understand. fully on the hype I, train. I understand being uh, contrarian and pessimistic. I understand it. Yeah, you do. So well. <laughs> but this seems to be the case where just let your freak flag fly, fly for as long as you can. Because, look, if they go 500 for the rest of the year, they're fine. I'm not doing the math on that, but I'm pretty sure it's fine. Um, not, low 90s they, win, probably something like that, right? Right. And they probably won't do that they'll probably be a little bit better at least so um in the sense that if you want to just ignore history and just look at what they've done and what they're expected to do based on uh measurements it is something that you should be excited about because it's uh you know the games count the same i guess you say march now as they do in uh in september and uh I, I definitely – they're not going to lose like 30 games on the entire year. But uh, I think there's real reasons to be and stay excited. Uh, but it's not – of course it's not going to be like this the whole time. Um, and of course there are a few pain points which we're going to um, <clears throat> get to. But uh, I've been enjoying it up until the last few games uh, – tonight's specifically so i, I want to get into some of the the metrics that have actually helped this team get here because last week when we were on the podcast brian we talked a little bit about some of the standout individual performances that the team's had so far and what i want to figure out with you guys is go through a few of the different categories where the red sox stand in terms of team performance and see whether or not you guys believe that these marks are sustainable or not so right now the first mark i want to talk about is the run differential for the Red Sox. It's plus 64 right now, which is the best in baseball. Do you guys think that the Red Sox are going to maintain that sort of a run differential throughout the year, or is that sort of a little on the high side? I think you gave away what you think, um, and that it's a little on the high side, and I tend to agree with you on that. Even though they started out, it's tough to remember now, the first 10 games or so, even though they were winning, they couldn't hit anything. Um, and then they hit everything. So you could say that evens out, but I would say that I would love for them to finish with the biggest route and deferential in the league, but I'm not, they're not going to lap the league. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, it's pretty easy to look at this team and go, well, they're probably not. I mean, do they have the best pitching staff in baseball? They, I mean, maybe. Um, not with Bobby Pointer and Pawtucket. <laughs> uh, you know, do they have the best offense in baseball? I mean, are they going to continue to score six point, whatever it is, 6.7 runs a game? I mean, that's that's pretty extreme. I, I would I would tend to doubt it. Um, but um I don't know. It, it's it's possible. I would expect the run differential to you know to inch up. I mean, I you know you'd expect this team to continue winning games. Like like Brian said, they're not going to lose thirty games all year. Oh. 
Yeah, um, no, I mean, I mean, proportionally, um, I don't mean, mean the run differential, differential isn't going to go up. I just mean it's not going to go up at the same rate. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think, I think that's right. Do you guys think that by the end of the season they'll still be, say, a top five team in baseball in run differential? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've they've already gotten off to this this start, which is, you know. Like, you know, what's the famous thing that we're not famous, but, you know, thing that people keep saying is, you know, wins are banked. I mean, well, the run differential is banked, too. Um, I mean, that's they've already done that. So even if they, you know, play like a 500 team the rest of the way they're they've still got that, you know, that great run differential. So, well, let's yeah. talk about how they achieved that run differential. I want to talk about the offense first. Um, the offense for the Red Sox is currently second in the league in runs scored with 124 uh, before today's game, um, which is trailing only the Yankees at 127. They also have the third best weighted runs created plus um, behind both the Yankees and the Athletics, uh, who are both tied at 123. Um, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. The Oakland Athletics? The Oakland Athletics are tied with the Yankees for the best weighted runs created in baseball. And Otani dominated them, but the Red Sox dominated Otani. And by the transitive property, uh, I don't know. No, you're right. But the transitive property didn't check out because the A's took two of three. Right. Yeah, I'm no, so the confused. A's, baseball. The A's have been hitting a ton just so far this season. I mean, if you look at every every starter they have is above average. I mean, I don't know if that's going to continue. Is, is Jed Lowry going to slug 6-12 all year? I I'm guessing no, but he'll be on the DL in a week. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say he could. Uh, there's no well, telling what Jed Ra- Jed Lowry can do f- uh, for more than a month. But the thing is, you'll never have to uh, figure out what that is. Well, at this rate, I mean, he's already at one and a half wins for the season, and we're not even through April. So that's yeah, that's already there. Anyway, uh, yeah, the the A's the A's can can hit. I think you know. A lot of Red Sox fans probably thought we'd go into Oakland and just, you know, do what we did to the Angels, but to the A's. And, uh, you know, that obviously didn't happen. So is this real, though, guys? I mean, is this an elite lineup? Is this going to be a top three run scoring offense? Is this you, you asked top five and then you changed it to top three? And I, th- I actually think that's a big distinction because I'm not. I, I don't know about top three, but pop, top five, I think I'm more comfortable saying probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's obviously probably like 50, 50 in the top five, which, which means if they don't, they're like six, seven or eight. Okay. But, but by and large, we think that this offensive performance is more real than it isn't. And you think this can be sustained. Something close to it. Yeah, I mean they're going to get Bogarts back. Presumably they'll get you know something more out of the catcher position. Um, you know, I there's there's certainly guys uh, you would we'll drill a double down the line as you're saying this. Oh, did he? Hooray! Yes, he did. Wow, yeah, you wouldn't expect that to happen ever. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's there's guys you'd look at, uh, you know, in the lineup and think, well, they're probably not going to continue to hit quite that well, but. I think on the whole, it's not hard to look at the Red Sox lineup and go, this is a, you know, for the most part, a bunch of guys who, you know, who can be, you know, 10, 20% above average. Um, you know, maybe the, the back end of the lineup is, is a little weaker than, than you'd like. Um, but especially if Jackie Bradley's not hitting. 
Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at the individual performances from this team a little bit, how, how we arrived at this point with the offense, uh, I think Betts is sustainable. I don't, he's not going to be doing what he's doing right now, but he's going to be really, really good, I think, for most of the year. Xander Bogarts, when he comes back, I have confidence in him. J.D. Martinez, Hanley Ramirez, Rafael Devers. I don't think there's really that many people on this team who are performing so far above their ceiling right now. I think the one guy you could probably point to in that category is uh, Mitch Moreland, who's just playing unbelievable whenever he gets into the game. But by and large, I, th I think this team, even with some guys regressing and some guys uh, regressing in a positive way, um, they can sustain this or something close. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know it depends on what your definition of close is, right? I mean, like you said, if they're you know if you're gonna widen the box to be top ten, I think we're all in agreement. If you're gonna make it top five, then it's a little iffier. If you're gonna go with top three or top two, that's you know that much more difficult to to reach. But I mean, I don't think the Red Sox problem this year is is gonna be uh, hitting. You know, I think they're definitely you know well above average, top third, top top quarter. Um, offense. It's probably in some ways going to depend on injuries. I mean, they've already had a bunch of sort of, you know, relatively minor injuries and, and important guys have, you know, have missed time like Bogarts who, um, you know, hopefully is, is on the mend and on the way back after hitting a home run in AAA tonight. Um, so, you know, that'll be big to get him back. And, and then Pedroia, you know, hopefully in a, in a month or so, um, you know, but, you know, we, we almost lost uh, bets there for a while. And uh, I forget who else. Um, Hanley. I guess Hanley got hit in the hand or something, and he was fine. So it, it, these things are, are almost day-to-day -day in a way. Yeah, he came back from that okay. He first game back, he homered. So uh, yeah. Hanley is, uh, is very healthy right now. I think the biggest story this year, though, with this team's performance has been the pitching side of it, specifically the starters. Uh, currently, the Red Sox rank second in runs scored. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, they're third in runs allowed um, with just 60 runs allowed. Um, they're behind Cleveland and the Astros, two teams that are exceptional pitching clubs that you sort of expect to be where they are. Um, the Red Sox are specifically second in starter ERA behind the Astros with a 243 ERA, and they're 10th in bullpen ERA with 325 ERA. Um, Matt, I'm going to go to you first. Um, are the starters this good, and is the bullpen sort of performing how you expected it to? I I'm having trouble getting a handle on the on the bullpen. I the starters are pretty darn good. I, I have a lot of confidence in them. I don't know that Rick Porcello is the best of them, but you know, seeing him pitch, you know, more like his Cy Young self than his 2017 self is huge. I actually uh, think he's more than he was in his Cy Young year. I think well, he's I mean, more, even more of that than he was then. And uh, like, so even a bigger 180, which isn't even possible than last year. I mean, so far, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know that this is going to, going to continue at, at the, I mean, he's, he gave up three kind of cheap runs to the Blue Jays tonight. We're just in the sixth inning. Um, so there may be more, who knows, but no, I, I think, you know, he's, he's pitching like a one or a two and I think he's a, you know, probably a two or three, but that's, that's fantastic. I think the Red Sox can expect more out of Chris sale. Who's looked, uh, you know, as shaky as we've seen Chris sale look, which is weird. Cause he still pitched really well. 
Um, you know, David Price has been fantastic outside of the one inning against the Yankees where he apparently couldn't feel his hand. And then, uh, you know, that the home run he gave up to the, to Chris Davis in the, uh, you know, in the eighth inning, whatever it was a couple days ago. So, um, but you know, they've also got depth. I mean, Brian Johnson has pitched great out of the bullpen. Uh, Hector Velasquez has, has pitched really well. Um, and then of course, Stephen Wright is, you know, on his way back at some point. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I feel of all the different parts of the Red Sox, I don't know. I might feel the strongest about the rotation. I, I think it's, I think it's really good. I agree with that. Um, and it was very encouraging to see sale in warm weather throwing like 95 in the first inning, um, regardless of whatever ha- else happened. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, um, Brian, because, you know, we've, we've had such cold, crappy weather. Um, I, and I think that definitely has, has affected the, you know, the team. Yeah. I mean, sale was brutally honest about that in some of these cold games. I was at one of the coldest games that they've had at Fenway since 2003 when he pitched against the Yankees. And he was basically saying he was just trying to accurately lob it over the plate, you know, for him, he's throwing like 89, 90 miles an hour because when people were hitting the ball, it just wasn't going anywhere. So I think everything Chris Sale does is uniquely sort of purposeful. It seems like that. I mean, I don't know if you remember. I don't know if, if Verlander does this anymore, but I remember a number of years ago he would sort of you know, reserve strength until like he needed it at the end of the seventh inning or whatever it was. And he, he, all of a sudden, he'd, you know, he'd go from going 92 to like 97. It's like, where did that come from? Um it's funny how get... these guys are so good they can make it almost like a video game. I mean, yeah. these are Hall of Famers we're talking about, so uh, it's certainly at the at the peak. I mean, maybe, I mean, I guess Verlander maybe at this. I don't know. I don't. I don't think. I feel like Sale's not gone long enough in his career that you can say that about him. Oh but... no, 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 absolutely not. I think Verlander after last postseason is in, um, and Sale I, will probably I... get there, barring he's not in right now but he'd probably get there. Yeah. I like how you framed an agreement as a disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, well, no, no, I agree with you. Um, maybe the strangest thing, though, about the Red Sox season so far has been what metrics have said about the Red Sox defense and what you know traditional error metrics, fielding percentage, things like that have said about the Red Sox defense. So... Um, I want you guys to think about whether or not this team is an actual good defensive club. And I'm going to tell you two things. Um, They are first in baseball and fielding percentage with just five errors committed on the season. But in overall defensive metrics by fan graphs, they are ranked 25th best team in baseball. Which one of those do you think is more indicative of where the team is in reality defensively? Oh, I think it's definitely the second one. I mean, they have a, a, a very good – they have a very good defensive outfield when they're playing their three best defenders. But J.D. Martinez is not a good defender, and he's played a fair amount in, in the outfield. Um, who else on that team is an above-average defensive player? And honestly, um, like when made- Moreland isn't playing with Bogart's hurt, who in the infield is like – half decent 
Yeah. I mean, I, I would say Bogarts is, is maybe average at best. I think Moreland is probably average at best. Devers is like second in baseball in defensive runs saved right now. Small sample size. He's not after this game, buddy. Uh, from what I read, the second inning was a disaster for him. I actually like Devers defensively. I mean, he's just incredibly young and incredibly raw there. But you can see he's got he's got skills. He's got quickness. I I think he, and he has a is, cannon. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a good a good defensive third baseman. You know, in a few years, but that time is not now. You know, Eduardo Nunez is is bad. He's yes. he's a defensive player. Brock Holt is not a good defensive player either. Um, the uh, uh, who else was I gonna say? Um, who else has been playing short? Zue Lin is good. Yeah, yeah, Lin is great. He hasn't played that many innings. Um, and you know we we all know you know Hanley is as lovable uh, as he is is not really a great defensive player either. So he's totally fine though, which is like always surprising to me that he's fine there. Like. You mean by the analytics or just in no, general? No, just like in general, you watch Hanley play first base and you're not like, wow, this is an absolute nightmare, which is sort of what I expected to see from him uh, when he first switched to the position just because left field was such a nightmare for him. So two things about that. One is he was a starting shortstop for years, you know, so he's got some athleticism. Um, you know, and the other thing is that's how easy first base is. <laughs> <laughs> so when you uh you know when we start lionizing people like like mitch moreland you know for their incredible defensive skills it's it's just not it's just not that important or that difficult to find um so yeah anyway uh, to answer your overall question i i don't i don't think this is a particularly good defensive team you you make a good point um i think it's going to get better when pedroia is back it'll get better when bogarts is back hopefully they will lessen off the jd martinez in the outfield thing um and that'll you know that'll that'll paper over things a little bit i don't think they're gonna do that though because i think it's just a direct offshoot of rest days which cora seems pretty committed to no that's a good point i mean he definitely is is all about you know the the pre-programmed way in advance rest days and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's impossible to say whether that is a, a good thing or not. It certainly, you know, tests the the depth of the of the roster. Um, you know, all 24 of the guys that are actually playing, that is. Um, I I think they have a rather deep roster. I mean, you know, from all of what I just said about Eduardo Nunez, he's actually a, a pretty good player to have on the on the team as long as he's not your regular starter. So. Yeah, he's a great. I mean, he's a great backup. He's yeah. yeah he's not yeah. even an ideal backup. He's probably too good for that. He's like in between. Um, but yeah, he's kind of like a like your your quad A starter, right? Like yeah, he's just a little say the same thing. Yeah, a little too bad to, anyway. Um, he's so good. I, I I love having him back with the club. Like just outside of what he does on the field, he's just it seems like he's just such a good influence on the team. Swag for days <laughs> yeah i agree with that so let's get to the meat of it guys we've talked about the start a little bit but the reason why we really have you on matt is to talk about your uh amazing article from today uh <laughs> where you talk about blake swihart uh, a, a young accomplished gentleman who i feel very strongly about 
Um, not getting a fair shake with the Red Sox, and you sort of discussed the Red Sox catching position a little bit um, in detail about how they've performed so far this year and about where Blake Swihart might fit into that sort of narrative. So, Matt, I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a, the floor here to talk about your article and sort of outline your argument for the listeners. Well, I was just looking at the, the Red Sox, you know, catchers, and neither of them have played particularly well so far this year. Um, the, you know, e- even defensively, it depends on what defensive metrics you look at, and, you know, it's still so early in the season, it's hard to place a whole lot of weight on anything. But um, neither guy uh, has has hit. Um, and, you know, the defensive metrics uh, for, you know, for them, uh, fan graphs, have uh, are are bad. The BP ones are are certainly better, um, but it, you know we, we've uh, we've sort of seen what it's like when the team isn't hitting, and and you get to the back of the lineup, and you've got Sandy Leon who's hitting 115, I think. Um, that's what he was hitting yesterday. Um, and Leon is is never really been a, uh, outside of whatever that one and a half two months in in 2016. Um, you know, he's, he's just never hit. He's a perfectly fine defensive catcher, probably, um, you know, whatever the numbers say this, this year, I don't know, but, um, but he's, he's a fine, you know, player from, from that standpoint, but he doesn't provide anything with the bat. And when you get, when you get down to the the back of the lineup, it's just out after out after out with him. Um, it's, it's harder and harder, I think, to justify his, his place in the lineup and the fact that they have Blake Swihart, you know, literally sitting there wasting away on the bench, um, is odd, I think. Especially like we just talked about, you know, given given that Cora is, you know, his, his sort of stated mission of of using everybody and and trying to get everybody involved, and even with that, Swihart hasn't played an inning behind the plate, um, and that's you know with the the incredibly bad offensive production the Red Sox are getting out of both catchers, um, and it's it's sort of odd. And then on top of that, you know we're we're going to reach a point, probably you know barring other injuries that we don't know about, but um, we're going to reach a point sometime in the next month month and a half or so, you know when Bogarts is back and Pedroia is back, and the Red Sox actually need that roster spot for somebody that you know who, who's going to be producing. And they're going to have to make a decision about what to do with Swihart and what to do with Leon. And they're not doing any research on this. You know, they're just letting Swihart sit there. Um, I know, speaking of just letting people sit there, I know Brian is burning up. Um, but so I, I would like to see them. I would like to see them give Swihart some starts at catcher. I don't know that's going to happen, but I would like to see them do it. I think. Uh, I don't think there's any question Swihart is a is a better hitter than both the guys that they have at the catcher position right now. Um, I think the issue is defensively, and I think it's pretty clear the Red Sox don't believe in Blake Swihart as a catcher. So, um, so anyway, that's that's kind of the position. I I think it would be great if Swihart got some innings behind the plate. We could actually see what he can do there, and it wouldn't surprise me if if uh, he made Sandy Leon redundant in pretty short order. Brian, your turn. Oh my God! First of all, I 
I definitely dispute the idea that they haven't done any research. We just haven't seen Blake Swihart play in a game. That doesn't mean they haven't done research on it. To me, and I express this to you on Twitter in so many words, the fact that he has, and between the both of you, Swihart has DH this year. Yeah. They believe in his bat, despite the fact that I think we are overstated. I'll get to this. I think we are really overstating what Blake Swayhart's bat is. But even if you grant that it's probably better than Leon and Vasquez, I think the idea that they want to get his bat in the lineup, yet have still not put him at catcher, is the biggest indictment of him you could come up with. However, you can also look at his stats, which aren't great. He caught four games last year. Yeah. He caught 43 games, I think, at AAA in Pawtucket, during which he put up a – in 2017, during which he put up a 540 OPS. I'm sorry, in 2015. Um, No, 2017. Blake Swihart's OPS, even in the minors, hasn't been over 800 since 2014. He right now in the majors in a very small sample size, which would I think if we're going to allow Sandy. So, Brian, hold on, hold on. Just let me talk. No. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Go, go go for it. You win. That's a good one. Go. (laughs) If you're going to say that that he can't hit then is your argument that he shouldn't be on the roster? I mean, that's that's a fine argument, but... We've, we've, we've had that argument many times on this podcast, and I, uh, and I think that the last time we talked was our conclusion was that if the Red Sox could trade Blake Swihart for anything, they would be wise to do it. And that... And I, 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 actually, th- I actually think this. I actually think that they would trade him for anything because I think the beauty uh, here is in the eyes of the uh, beholders because if you look at Blake Swihart's stats and use the powers of deduction um, for him not – and for him not playing and remember what it was like when he did play, it wasn't pretty. There's every reason to think that, A, the Red Sox would love to play him at catcher if he was competent. B, he is not competent, so they're not playing him a catcher. And C, that he's barely good enough to play anywhere other than catcher, and they would really like someone else to take him off their hands. Now, I understand disagreeing with this, and I understand being disappointed with Leon and Vasquez. I will say that I think that Vasquez is – the de facto, even though they've been splitting time pretty much evenly this year, um, the de facto number one, it's pretty close. Uh, and he added up a year last year where he had a 730 OPS, where I don't think we expected him to repeat that because he had some uh, really good times at the plate that seemed sort of aberrant. Yeah. At the same time, Leon had a 640 OPS last year, which isn't good by any means. I don't see what you can look at with Blake Swihart's actual hitting numbers, not the projections in our heads, not what we want him to be. 
I don't see what you can look at in Swihart's hitting numbers that would even make him a discernibly better hitter or choice than Leon and Vasquez. On top of that, he is clearly not, um, especially from the eye test, uh, as good as those guys or hasn't been. He also hasn't practiced since then. I mean, maybe he's practiced in actual practice. But we haven't seen it. But he hasn't played. And I think that the, I don't think that's an indication that they haven't wanted to try it. I think it's an indication of the exact opposite, that they do not believe he can do it. All right. And if I, I don't go ahead. Here. Last point. I, hold on one second, if I can. Um, I would just say, yeah, you can look at his numbers and they're bad. I don't disagree with that either. Um, I think the issue isn't that his numbers are bad. Vasquez's numbers are bad too, and so are Leon's. the The issue with with Swihart is that, you know, you get you read uh, scouting reports, and he's got a lot more talent than either of those two guys do offensively. Secondly, his issue was also injuries. Um, he played through. I forget you. I'm sure would remember. No, 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 no. I'm cutting you off like you cut me off. The issue is he can't catch. That's the issue. That is the only issue that matters right here, because if here's my here's my entire argument in one sentence, if he could catch, he would be catching the end. OK, well, that's I mean, that's fine. And I clearly the Red Sox agree with you. So, um, I mean, well, this, I this, but this is this is important because I don't understand the idea. The, I don't understand the assumption that they don't want to do this. I, I presume I that they very much want to do that's, this. That's not the assumption. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they should want to do this. I'm saying that the bar to – But they do. I, I'm sure they do. Okay. okay. So let, 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 let me give this argument a little bit of context, guys. Um, oh, this no, is going to be good. <laughs> no, I, I need to get in here. So the issue with looking at Blake Swihart from a numbers perspective, and you talked about what he did in 2014, what he did in 2015, 2016, 2017. Most of those years, specifically 2017 and at least half of 2016, were impacted by a really serious injury that Blake Swihart sustained. Um but Jake, Jake, wait, no, 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 just no, let me no, go wait, for a wait, wait, no, I'm going to say one thing and then you could talk. Okay. The issue with him being a catcher was never about injuries. No, never. but the issue with his offensive ability was. No, but right, fine, fine. I, I disagree but with you. You want to trade? You want to trade a hundred points of OPS to fuck with a team that's 17 and four when you have a pitcher in Chris Sale who doesn't even fucking uh, uh, doesn't even shake off a guy. Leon doesn't catch sale. That's no. got nothing. To... No, Leon... I'm talking to Swihart. I'm saying, saying you want to insert a you. You're, we're talking about how great the rotation is and how good they are, and you want to put in a guy who's played four big league games in the last what or ten big league games in the last three years to catch this staff, and you think they're going to be as good? I do not buy that at all. First of all, you have a healthy Vasquez right now, which means that Vasquez is the, not the de facto number one. He is the number one catcher this year. Cora is not doing anything like what Farrell did last year, splitting time between Leon and, and Vasquez in any sort I of an even way. I do the lineups, way. my friend. I can tell you differently. Leon has started a shit ton of games this year. He has not started nearly as many games he as he start, was on pace to start last year. He started about 
He started about nine or ten in the game. The season is tonight is his ninth game. Tonight is his ninth game. He's got twenty six plate appearances total, plus whatever he gets tonight. Right. So thirteen games for one and nine games for the other. That's pretty even. I mean, okay. it's 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 more games than I thought, uh, for sure. But I I think that the issue here, Brian, is that our argument is that the Red Sox have not given Blake Swihart time when he is actually a healthy player to show whether or not he can hit or whether or not he can actually catch. They've done because so in spring that training. That's not their goal as a team. Their goal is a team's to win baseball games. I understand that. But the hard. frustrating thing here is that Leon is a bad player offensively he's... and that he's a very, very, very average player defensively. And if Blake Swihart can come in and catch once or twice a week and not completely screw the pooch when he comes in – that's somebody who could be a plus to the team. I don't understand why you think this has not occurred to the Red Sox. Now, beyond that, beyond that, there was a great basketball story recently where it was talking about how players, when they're on the free throw line, the guys who are lined up, they'll sort of nudge each other and be like, are you going on this one? Or are you not going on this one? And this is, this was to save energy throughout the season. And sometimes guys would say no. And the guys, the people rebounding the ball would know. I can just grab the ball. They're not going to come in. All I'm saying is that what this means to me is that there's still so much we don't know about what happens in the moment-to-moment in sports. The catcher is the guy involved in every single play. So to just sort of paper over the like oh sandy leone is average one you can do that that's fine i think that consistency there and i think it's clear that at least alex cora consistency there in uh in catching is far more important than the hundred points of ops you're chasing with blake swihart I agree that the team feels that way. I agree that Alex Cora feels that way to some extent, but I think that it is Dave Dombrowski who feels that way more than anyone else. Do you know, just out of curiosity, you said 100 points of OPS that you're chasing. Do you know what Sandy Leon's OPS is? I do, but you're not – I have a tab open right now. Um, it's, I'll tell you, it's 230. Oh, Blake Swihart's is at 458. Let's stop the fucking presses and put him in. That's a 200-point swing! It's 458! Neither of them are going to do this that, forever. That's what, keep that's what I'm saying, man. What we're talking last about? Year. Blake, hold on. Blake Swihart's was 629 in five games last year. Sandy Leone's was 644 in 85 games. So don't tell me that one is necessarily better. I understand Blake Swihart is almost certainly a better hitter, but he has almost Look, never this, shown it. This is then, the one part of your argument that doesn't doesn't work at all, which is you know, that, that Leon and no, that Leon and Swihart are roughly equivalent. Like you guys pretend he is. Never. Is, they, so it's not I, pretending, Brian. It's it's that every is. scout that's ever seen him thinks this. Jake, he's 26 years old. Stop talking about scouts. Stop, start talking about what he's actually no, doing. I'm not going to because he missed about two and a half years of development because of this. He's not he's not your average 26-year-old. He's your 26-year-old no. that's he's more close even, to 23 or 24 because of all the dev time he's missed. Ryan, 
the strong part of your argument is that he can't catch. I don't necessarily know enough no, about that's that. That's not the strong part of my argument. That is just a fucking fact. The rest of it. I is mean, hey, that's safe. the same thing. <laughs> but no, it's not the same thing. You guys are being like, oh, Julian Edelman was a quarterback in college. Why don't we see if he can replace Tom Brady? Who gives a shit if he caught in the past? He can't do it now. If he could do it now, he'd be doing it now. There's no argument you guys can make against Occam's razor that makes any sort of sense. You're just projecting things that you wanted to happen four years ago that are just not happening. That is it. There's no two ways about it. If he was going to catch, he'd be catching. The end. Well, I'm glad you've solved this uh, great conundrum for the entire world. You didn't solve it. The Red Sox did. You just don't want to see it. It's not about wanting to – all right, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. So, all right, Brian's right, and uh, that's the end of that. It's not me. You're not listening. The Red Sox have spoken. It is a I'm listening. They know he played catcher. You do know that, right? They know that. They know he played catcher. All You're right, this is this is yeah. this is going off the rails here. So I'm, I'm wanted Jake. You set this up. I Brian, nobody can nobody can can get you back on the rails right here. So we're just gonna go to DL players right now. Um, it, it's it's fair that we all disagree. Wait, I'm calm down a bit. But wait a minute. Yep. You set up this whole podcast to have this discussion. Mm-hmm. And, and now you just want to stop it. Well, I need to run in a second anyway. I, I, think, we, I think he wants to Matt, stop it because we hit a stopping point. Yeah, I mean, I don't we're, we're at the point where, where both of you guys don't agree and I don't agree with you. I don't and I, understand what single point you guys have made that is not like all you, you guys are working off public all the domain information that everyone I, has geez. and you think – I, I've said all I have to say on the topic, and you've done a lot of shouting, and I don't think I'm going to change your mind. So that's argument off of things you want to be true that are just there's uh-huh. no evidence that Blake's uh-huh. Whitehart. Okay, that's I mean you land and you're not, so okay, that's fine. Just, there's there's no evidence of this, and I'm just sick of fucking hearing about it. Well, then why do you want to keep the conversation going? Because it's nice when you're right. <sighs> Okay, Jesus Christ. All right, well, um, can we can we just close this out? Yeah, I think we need to. Okay, um, so we have Boyne, Bobby Pointer, Brian's guy, uh, who has come off the DL as pitching in Pawtucket. We have Blake, uh, sorry, not Blake Swihart. I shouldn't have said that. Um, we have. We have uh, Xander Bogarts, who is currently rehabbing in Pawtucket. He has a home run tonight, which uh, Corey mentioned before. Uh, And then uh, Stephen Wright has begun rehabbing as well, but had to exit his start early due to some back tightness. So it still seems like Stephen Wright's a little bit away. But uh, the good news is that Bobby Pointer should be available should the team need him. uh, And Xander Bogarts should be on his way back within probably five, six days or so. Um, I said Friday. Friday? Okay. Yeah, so maybe as soon as Friday. Um, We do have one listener question tonight, uh, which we will get to. 
Uh, we had a ton that we weren't able to answer last week, so if yours got lost in the shuffle again, we will try and get to that on future shows. Um, but the one tonight was from Will Wilquist, uh, Wilquist and he says, should the Red Sox give Devers uh, a bit more rest to stave off the late season fade? He's had the fewest days off, the most at bats, yet has played, uh, never played more than 120 game, eight games in a pro season. Uh, I think that is a fair concern. Devers has not played a full slate, and he is on pace to lead the team in ABs right now. I think that the answer to that is that when Pedroia comes back, Nunez will be able to spell him. Yeah, I was going to say I agree with that. I, I, I'm not sure who you put at third base now, who you feel good about. Um, and, I mean, there may come a time when Brock Holt plays there and, and – uh, you know, after after Bogarts comes back or something like that, but I think I think Brian's right. I think it's uh, once once Pedroia comes back, then then they'll get to rotate people through a lot more. God Jake, help us if you, Noodle Jake, Arm Holt has to play third base at all. Jake, can you edit the part where Matt says I think Brian's right, and then just apply it to the Swihart argument? Uh, I'm gonna do some serious editing to that whole section, so <laughs> we'll please see. don't please don't have me on an argument. Don't please don't troll me with a podcast and then edit my perfect words of volume all right well uh duly noted um if you enjoyed this show um you can subscribe to this show on itunes twitter or not twitter uh stitcher yeah um or any of the other platforms where you get podcasts um you can follow matt on twitter at matt at Matty Matty 2000 you can follow Brian on Twitter at, at Brian Joyner and you can follow myself on Twitter at, at Dev Jake uh, and also please follow the over the monster uh, site on Twitter at, at over the monster uh, for all your latest Red Sox news and uh, check Matt's stuff out on the athletic it is very good um, thank you so yeah thanks subscribe for- it's it's <laughs> 375 a month yeah it is That's, it's like it's buying nothing. a muffin it's nothing yeah it's it's one coffee uh, at Starbucks per month. So, yeah, it's it's worth it. Uh, do that. And, uh, Matt, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast and uh, joining us. Thanks. It's a pleasure I to still, talk to you. I still what? love you, boo. I still love you, boo. <laughs> I love you too, man. <laughs> I hope you guys will have me on again at some point in the future. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys. And we'll be with you at the same time next week. 